it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today, we have episode 318. Today, we're going to have some fun because I'm going to interview Andrew. So Andrew is going to be on the hot seat today. We're going to talk about Value Spotlight, some of the things he's learned, some of the things maybe he wish he knew before he started, and just kind of go from there. So it should be a fun conversation. So with that, let's go ahead and dive in and let's talk about investing and building a portfolio. And I guess maybe let's start with an easy one. When you started off, you kind of had an idea. Do you feel like the portfolio is still the same as when you started or do you feel like it's changed over time? It's like taking a complete 180. Maybe not okay. a complete 180, but it's had a huge makeover. I'll say okay. that. <laughs> and what do you attribute that to? Do you feel like your investing style or philosophy has changed or is it because you've maybe learned more and feel like you are picking better company. I'd say it's a little bit of both. I think I think part of learning is learning what works well for your style and also what you're trying to achieve. So, you know, I had pretty decent success buying and selling a lot of different cheap stocks. I learned that I like it better when I can just buy something and hang on to it for a long time and not have to do much. And you have to buy better businesses when you do that. But it's also hard to get cheap stocks when you do that. So that was part of the learning process for me was like, all right, sometimes you can have your cake and eat it too, right? Like sometimes Microsoft's trading at a 10 PE or whatever it is and and you're able to get, get on the train early. But a lot of the times, good businesses are not as cheap and you just kind of have to pay that price or wait for the most reasonable price you think you can get in order for, for those opportunities to be there for you. So some of it was learning and some of it was adjusting to what my goals were. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you feel like the last few years, let's say, I guess the last three-ish years have been probably some of the more difficult periods to invest through? And so maybe some of that has maybe helped refine what you're trying to do? Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. It feels in a way like there's been a big reset. And I don't know if reset's the right word, but it's felt like some industries have gone into turbo booster charge mode and others that were weak have seemed to just get weaker. It's almost like that divide has, for whatever reason, there's just been huge movements on the landscape. And so, I mean, what better time to transform a portfolio than when the winners seem pretty obvious and the losers seem pretty obvious? We'll see how long it plays out. Obviously, three years is not much of a a time horizon over the long term. But in the meantime, it does feel like you've seen separation between some of the more obvious winners and some of the not-so-obvious losers. Yes, that's a good point. I think I feel like that there has been a bit of a shift in... I think reset is a good way of putting it. It feels like it feels like people out there are discovering that it is important to understand the business. It is important to understand how much the company is worth or at least have some idea of that. And I base that on just anecdotal evidence and also just the people we talk to are there. That seems to be more and more of a conversation about the fundamentals of the business as opposed to the story of the business. Do you feel like that's kind of what's going on? Yeah. And I do think there's big picture fundamentals underneath that's forcing that change. Howard Marks, one of the brilliant investors of our time and you know, I look forward to every single time he writes something. He's talked about how changing interest rates really changes the way companies have access to capital. And so in the past, when interest rates were cheap, anybody could raise money. It seemed like anybody could raise money. And if you can just raise money whenever you need to grow, then you can have a lot of mediocre businesses that stick around. So you don't need to know the fundamentals in that case. But when capital tightens, you have interest rates that come up. It's no longer so easy to raise money. Only the good businesses can raise money. Now, all of a sudden, stock prices are going to get closer to the fundamentals or at least seem to because that stuff maybe matters more now. Yeah, for sure. So I guess along this journey, what do you feel like you've learned the most from and what has, I guess, what do you feel like has taught you the most and what, I guess, valuable insights have you determined over these last two or three years that you feel like can carry you forward? Uh, I mean, how do you pick just one? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> what about for you? I'd be curious for you. Oh boy. Um, I think for me, probably if, if I had to hang my hat on one thing, I think it would be the changing of, I guess, evolving away from maybe more of, maybe not evolving away, but maybe having a better understanding of the combination of what the financials are trying to tell me, like a story and the numbers and kind of how that kind of coalesces and how you're, in essence, I feel like you're kind of like a Sherlock Holmes of finance. You're trying to get to the bottom of what's really driving what happens with Google, for example. And you can do that by reading the financials, but you can also do it by trying to interpret what those are telling you. And I feel like that's 
I think that's the fine balance between solely focusing on the numbers or solely focusing on the story and kind of being able to meld the two, I think, is the delicate balance. And that's the, feel like, that's the thing I feel like I've gotten better at. I wouldn't say I'm great at it, but I feel like I've gotten better at it as I've gotten more experience. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I hope I have too, right? Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> if the type of investing you're looking to do is to hold a business for the long term, price does matter even if you have a long time horizon mm-hmm. and also the narrative matters because it's the difference between buying like a Costco where all the members are super loyal because Costco saves them hundreds of dollars and their membership only costs less than a hundred mm-hmm. versus something like I don't know not to pick on an X but uh, a company like Aaron's right. which I held for a time did well for me and then I Luckily, cut bait at the right time before it all like crumbled. But you know, a retailer where the customers could care less where they go as long as they just are able to buy what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of narrative that you can only understand if you understand the business and makes even if Costco's numbers don't look as good on the valuation standpoint as some other retailer, the narrative can carry the numbers more than the numbers would carry the narrative over a long enough time horizon. And yeah, that's not an easy lesson, I don't think. Don't have time to search the whole stock market. Tired of waiting through endless information? Instead, get my trusted stock picks at valuespotlight.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. 
After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. It really isn't. Was there a company or two that helped maybe spur that transition for you? Mm, that's a good question. I wonder if it was a lot of the companies that I missed out on. And a lot of the companies, well, you know, actually one that does pop into mind is a company called Lamb Research. And that thing, man, that was like one of my best stocks. And I sold it because I didn't like the way the numbers were looking. But I didn't really understand that their business was fine. In fact, they were flourishing. The whole semiconductor industry was flourishing. The original reason I bought the stock was still there. I just got too wrapped up in my my numbers prison and ended up selling and it tripled maybe from when I sold it. And uh, I don't know if, if someone's had the quote before. I feel like you'll probably identify, but it's like sometimes the worst mistake you can make is not like losing money, but it's selling something that you were right in or not putting enough money in something you're right in. Those can be really painful lessons, but I wonder if that was like the first turning point for me of, you know, feeling smart. Cause I'm like, Ooh, look at me. I locked in this game. And as time goes on, that thing continues to skyrocket while the rest of my portfolio is meandering along. It's a very, very frustrating feeling that just builds up over time. And eventually uh, in 2020, I just, I had enough and I had to change something. Yeah, I think that comes for all of us. I think my biggest lesson in that was Intel. I was locked in the numbers prison and I wasn't really paying attention to, I like that term, by the way. I was more, I basically ignored the narrative. And, you know, in hindsight, being 2020 as it is, is that I didn't really understand the business or the industry or the cycle that semiconductors can go through. And so you combine that with being locked in the numbers prison and, you don't see the forest for the trees. You don't see the fact that even though everything looks rosy numbers wise, if you, you know, just branch out a little bit, you would have seen that there were some signs that the struggle was coming and the company may overcome it at some point, you know, who knows. But, you know, for me, it was, it's a mistake that, you know, it sits there and glares at me every day. I look at my portfolio. Yeah, I still hope I still own it, but it's definitely not done as well as it should have or what I thought it was going to originally be. And that that was really a turning point for me to really understand that I need to look beyond the numbers. And I also need to understand the business a lot deeper and a lot better than I did. Yeah. I mean, those are great insights and hopefully somebody takes away something from that. Mm-hmm. Kind of along those lines, I remember Sanderson Farms was a very painful one for me. They sell chickens. It's not super complicated. <laughs> and sexy. It's a, it, <laughs> I guess depending on what kind of food you're into. They are a very cyclical business. And so I didn't lose money on that stock, but I put a lot of my portfolio into it and it sorely underperformed the market. And so that was a drag on my portfolio's performance. And it was literally because I sold too soon. I was like wishy-washy about about how I felt about the numbers. And then similar to your mistake with Intel, when the numbers are good is usually when you have a cyclical boom. You know, things are going well. And and by the way, not cyclical doesn't always have to be correlated with the 
general economy. In the case of chicken, it's almost, it's like kind of like semiconductors. It's on its own cycle, very tied to supply and demand. And even the weather and, you know, grain prices and all of these things. And so the numbers in companies like that look the best when that industry is booming. And that's often the worst time to buy those. And then the numbers look the worst when the industry is going through a trough period. And that's oftentimes the worst time to sell them. And that's what I did. I made a mistake. I bought at a bad time. I sold at a bad time. And then, of course, just a few months later, they ended up getting acquired. So their stock price popped. And I was like, oh, great. If I just would have hung on just a little bit longer, I might have actually beat the market with that pick. So that was another one that's, I guess, a similar lesson, but taking a different form. I think these are all valuable lessons. And these are all things that... You you can only learn from experience. You can only learn from doing. And I guess, so to take from those ideas, how have you taken from some of those ideas of some of the things that maybe you felt like you missed out on, whether it's Sanderson Farms or Lamb Research, how have you taken that and used you know that pain for good, if you will? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I guess the jury's still out on it. Earlier this year, I bought a company called Westlake and it's a position I've held for a long time. I bought it when it was cheap and then I bought it when it was expensive. And now it's swung back again where it's cheap and I bought it earlier this year. So we'll see if that plays out. But very much an industry that was in the trough period, earnings did not look good compared to where it's been in the past. So one of those where I'm hoping to reverse what I did with Sanderson Farms, right? A very cyclical industry that's very tied to supply and demand. I guess in the case of hanging on to something like a lamb research type of company. I've taken the similar mental model that I use for lamb research and applied it to different companies. And basically, the idea is very simple. Humans will continue to innovate. There will always be a subset of humans. And I wrote about this way long time ago in in Mm -hmm. the lamb research. It was so theoretical. But there will always be a subset of mankind that thinks that the end is near and that innovation stops today. And that will always be there. And you always hear them the loudest when you're investing during technological slowdowns. Whenever those stocks are getting crushed, profits are slowing down, whatever the case. And so I've tried to take that mental model to companies like Microsoft and Apple and Crown Castle. These companies that people think, oh... You know, the end is near. It must be near. There's no way they can innovate from here. I don't subscribe to that. I think so far humanity has been able to innovate. I think they will continue to do so. We're just driven. A lot of humans are just driven for whatever reason, healthy or unhealthily, and things will continue to get better. So I think, you know, hopefully having enough exposure to that in my portfolio helps me participate in the upside. And hopefully having paid good prices for those stocks when they weren't you know, a 50 or 100 PE or something, hopefully moderates the downside risk in case maybe Apple does find saturation sometime soon. Paying a lower price compared to its earnings helps try to mitigate some of that. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. 
pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Yeah, that's very true. I think those are really good insights. So now that we've you know kind of been down reflection lane a little bit here, what do you feel like you wish you knew like when you first started this, like looking back at, you know, at Andrew 2013, 2014, to what would you tell him from 2023, Andrew? You're not that hot. Just stop it. <laughs> <laughs> There's some things that you can pick up pretty quickly in the market and some concepts are easier than others, but it doesn't just stop at, at the basics. It doesn't stop at the fundamentals. It doesn't stop when you have an idea or a strategy that sounds great on paper. It definitely doesn't stop there. It's a never-ending cycle. And so if you're up for the challenge, it's very fulfilling. It's a ton of fun, potentially financially rewarding. But in the same token, it's not easy. And it's not something to figure out like a puzzle that you just uncovered it and you figured it out and you're good to go for the rest of your life. That's, that's just not how it works. No, it really isn't. And the thing that I like about what you're trying to do is you understand that you understand that guys like Buffett, Manish Pabrai, Guy Spear, Joel Greenblatt, some of these people have been doing this 30, 50, 60 years, and they're still learning something. They're still evolving, still getting better at what they're trying to do. Because when you think about it, when you invest in a company, you are looking at the company, you're trying to judge its financial performance over the next however many years you're projecting that out. But you're also, in essence, betting against millions of other people and their opinions. And it's a very complex system. And so it's not just a matter of, you know, hey, I think that Visa is the greatest thing ever. And there's just no way that this company can't continue to succeed and be successful and grow its revenue, its earnings, its free cash flow, all those things. But it doesn't always mean that the market's going to agree with you. And sometimes it may take longer than others. And so I, I think, you know, I feel like you have to have a certain amount of, I feel like you have to have a bit of a combination of hubris and arrogance, if you will. So you have to be humble to understand that the market will wipe your butt out very quickly without much care or thought about what it's doing. Likewise, you have to be confident enough in your abilities that you can beat it. And it's kind of a fine line. And I know Buffett comes across as like this kind of kind, you know, fraternal grandfather, you know, kind of a cuddly teddy bear kind of thing. But he's a businessman and he's he will do what he needs to do to make sure that his business is successful. I'm not saying he's gonna be unethical or cutthroat or anything like that, but you know, by the same token, you know, he understands the chances that he's taking and the risks that he's taking. And, you know, he's ninety two and, you know, who knows how much longer he could keep doing this. And you know, he could easily just say, ah, screw it, and just take wild, crazy chances on stuff. And yet he doesn't. You know, he just keeps doing what he does. 
you know, every day and just setting an example for the rest of us. And that's one of the many things I love about investing. Yeah. And it's more building a portfolio than it is any individual company, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. I guess as you kind of think through the things maybe you've learned, the things you wish you had told Andrew, 2014 Andrew, what do you think or what do you see going forward for you, the portfolio? How do you feel like it's going to continue to evolve? What are your hopes for it? Any of those kinds of ideas? Yeah, where it's going to be, that's super hard to say. I mean, I'll, I'll try to just figure out what stock to buy next month. And that seems to be the ever-pressing challenge. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get through every day. What I would hope is that whether it's today or 40 years from now, somebody can go back and see the written track record and be able to become their own fund manager and be doing it in a way that's beneficial to society and not the other way. Because unfortunately, you know, there's a dark side. But that's that would be the hope. I think some of the changes that you've helped coach me through are really helping push that forward. You know, gone from just having one piece of research every month about a company to regular content two to three times a month that deals with companies in the portfolio, companies in industries that are related to portfolio holdings and just that extra layer of research that I had already been doing, just haven't been publishing it. And hopefully hopefully by doing that, it gives a constant refresh to the positions that are in the portfolio. Mm -hmm. And I think as those positions start to be held for longer and longer, because ideally if I did my job over the last three years, those should be, a lot of them should be long, long-term positions like is intended. Hopefully that provides a better coverage so people can understand where my mind is at when it comes to those. And just before we kind of shift things to value spotlight, I did get feedback that it was kind of like, all right, you wrote about a company and that was it. And it's not what I was doing, but I can see how people were experiencing it in that way. And so that's kind of the big shift with Value Spotlight. I love that new shift because I felt like, I have felt like for a long time that there's been, there's lots of valuable stuff that didn't see the light of day, so to speak. And I was privy to it because of our relationship and working together and being friends, but not everybody else was. And I felt like that a lot of that could be very, very beneficial to other people that could see those insights and the way you were thinking about different things. And, you know, I don't think people quite realize the effort and thinking that goes into what you're doing. And I do to a certain extent, but not to the full extent because I'm not doing it, but I see the effort and I see the results and I see the thought and impact of all the things that you do. And that's that's why I was pushing for some of those changes was because I feel like a lot of that could be super helpful to other investors because you know I know that when I'm thinking about company A, I don't think much about the other companies. And you get so tunnel focused on other things that you can kind of miss the forest for the trees kind of thing. And I think that can be very, very, very helpful to other investors. They can learn along side what you're doing. Plus, they can learn better ways to do better, deeper research without driving themselves crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Any tool that we can get to help us not go crazy, I think, is a good tool, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So before we wrap up our conversation today, was there anything else you'd like to throw out there for our audience? Yeah. Let me 
throw something out there. I'm going to put my sales suit on first. Obviously, you know, the whole thing is transformed, it's changed, it's different. I've had to take time away from other things to focus on Value Spotlight. So I love you guys, but you know, it's not just a free thing here. So we did have to raise the price from where the newsletter was before to where it's going to be now. It's going to be $49 a month now instead of $29. Because some people maybe have been listening for a long time, we're going to leave open the old price for another week. So this episode should be going out November 27th. And December 3rd would be your last day to lock in the old newsletter price before the new value spotlight price comes into play and because of all the things we just talked about. Yeah. So if yeah. you're interested, go lock it in now. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, don't delay. <laughs> Get to it sooner than later. Try not to be like Dave and procrastinate. So that's always a good motto. All right, folks. Well, with that, we will go ahead and wrap up our show for today. Thank you, Andrew, for answering all my very in-depth, intricate questions. And I even got to stump him once. So for those of you out there listening, go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week. And we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.